When you stop to think about it, it's mind-boggling how the simple, unassuming birth of a peasant boy 2,000 years ago in a stable in the Middle East has caused such a commotion around the planet. Right now, his birthday causes traffic jams in New York City, Rio de Janeiro, from London to Manila. His birth has caused an uproar in the highest courts of the land around our country. And every event in human history, whether you like it or not, is dated to show how many years it has been since Jesus came to this planet. Which means, get this now, the hinge of history is on the door of a Bethlehem stable. The hinge of history. Every year, this is the the song on playlist change from Spotify to Apple iTunes. And a few years ago, the UK did a Christmas song study. And they found out, this is what their results were. They found out if you listen to Christmas music, it'll either stress you out or make you spend money. That's what they said. According to the study, British psychologist Linda Blair said, listening to cheerful, jolly Christmas music would harm people's mental health. Thank you very much. She said, if you keep playing it continuously, it reminds people of all the things they need to do before their family arrives. And they said when you combine, and then they found out if you combine Christmas music with certain odors and and different scents, it encouraged people to spend more time shopping and spending more money. Now Christmas music that makes you stress and shop more, it just can't get any worse than that. But I want you to know today, I want to share something with you. There is a Christmas song that's being sung today whose title is a question. But not just a question or any question. It is the question. And I want us to talk about this for the next few moments. It's this song that I hope doesn't stress you out or make you spend money. It is, what child is this? Because your forever hinges on your answer to that question. What child is this? A man much smarter than me. And many of us that sits in this sanctuary, this full sanctuary was the Don of Oxford, C.S. Lewis, the professor from Cambridge, spoke about his journey from atheism, no God, to Christianity. Listen to his words, because he had to answer that question, what child is this? I want, it's, it's it's a lot of text, but I want you to read what he wrote on his journey of answering the question, what child is this? He starts off with this, and he says, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than the whole world. Think of that for just a moment. One, one time, there was, some, there was a person in a stable that was bigger than the entire world. And this is what Lewis said. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about that person that was in that manger. What was that? I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is One thing he says we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. In fact, Lewis said he realized he'd either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. 
He says, you can shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord God. But he said this, but let us not come away with this patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. And then he says this, he has not left that open to any of us and didn't intend it. You don't have that option. I'm telling you today, many of us in this place have fallen, like that song says, O Holy Night, on our knees and said, he is God. He is the one that has changed our lives today. That's what happens. On July 20th, 1969, it's hard to think that I remember where I was on that date. It marked an historic event in human history. I was seven years old and I was in Long Island, New York, on, in Farmingdale, New York, on Long Island. And I was watching on an old black and white TV on that July 20th morning or afternoon of something that happened that shook the world. The Apollo 11 landed on the moon for the first time. A man named Neil Armstrong walked on the moon and all of the world watched for the first time this man step out of a lunar module and step on the moon. Two epic things were said that day. We all remember the first one but forget the second one. But I'll tell you what the second one is in a moment. Neil Armstrong stepped out of the Apollo 11 and said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But here's the second thing. The president at that time said these words. The planting of human feet upon the moon is the greatest event in human history. Without any disrespect, sorry, Mr. President. The greatest event in human history was not the planting of human feet on the moon, but when God planted his feet on planet earth is the greatest event in human history. When God from heaven came to a manger in Bethlehem, took those steps in Jerusalem, that's the greatest event. We call it the birth of Christ, the incarnation. We celebrate it as Christmas morning. And that's why the question has to be answered as you sit here today. It's, it's, there's no denying that Jesus lived. There's no denying that, that this story is true from even historians. But what child is this must be answered. Because your answer hinges on your forever. So just for a moment, I want to let Isaiah, the old prophet, answer the question. And here's what he said. He said these words in Isaiah 9-6. For unto us, read it with me. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. I was reading a book recently called The Wright Brothers by, by, uh, by, by a great historian. They said just 120 years ago, on December 17th, after many attempts, the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, were successful at getting their flying machine off the ground um, and into the air at Kitty Hawk. Thrilled over the accomplishment, Wilbur and Orville telegraphed this message to their sister, Catherine. 
And this is simply what the telegraph said. We have actually flown 120 feet. We will be home for Christmas. Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper, showed him the message so they can publish it. He glanced at it and said, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. Missed the entire message that would shake the world that man could fly. And folks, don't miss the event of the ages by getting distracted with the immediate and the momentary. Don't get distracted that we're home for Christmas, but miss the ultimate question. What child is this? Christ has come. I know we'll have a dinner. I know some of you will watch football today and some of you will watch It's a Wonderful Life and some of you will get what you wanted and some of you are gonna get what you didn't want today. But whatever happens, don't miss the message that Christ has come. That's what child this is. What child is this? 740 years ago, that Isaiah 9 passage was penned that it would take place. The prophet Isaiah looked by the Holy Spirit through the centuries into the future that into a momentous night in an obscure little village called Bethlehem that God would give us a powerful description of these powerful words and answer the question, what child is this? That these four pairs of words would literally, I'm telling you, I don't know of a better penned set of four words, of couplets that describe who this child is. Listen to it again. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let me read them again. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let me take the next few moments and take those four things. I won't spend long on them, but let me just tell you what it is. One, Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Folks, can I just tell you something about Jesus? When Jesus was born... He was older than his mother, and he was as old as his father. Because his father wasn't Joseph, his father was God. Listen, which means he's been around a long time. When I grew up, you asked your parents for the answers. How to change a tire, how to change the oil, how to shave. All these questions I've asked my father. How do you shave? How do you do this? How do you change the oil? Every one of those things. How do you pay taxes? All those things. But today, you know who a wonderful counselor is? Google. Number one counselor today is Google. Now our children ask Google. If you want to, how do you change a tire? How do you change a tire? That's what we do. I had a conversation with a friend who is a professional athlete that, I've, that we have helped in, in different areas, and he was having family problems. And I said, well, what are you doing? He says, well, I Googled how to fix my family. I said, you're going to need a lot more than Google on this problem right now. Top four questions that is asked by Google of the top ten. Here they are. Where am I? What time is it? What do men want? And what is love? Can I tell you something? Google doesn't have those answers, maybe for time and where you are. But it really is a cry from humanity. Those questions, what time is it? Where am I? What is love? What do men want? This is a cry from humanity. These aren't just random questions. And God came 2,000 years ago to answer these questions and I have to just give you good news today. 
God is smarter than Google. That's what we have to understand today. He has been around much longer and can walk you through anything that you're facing. He is wonderful counselor. He is also, the Bible says, mighty God. Christmas on Broadway this week blew our mind, just as this is blowing our minds today. On Christmas on Broadway, we saw God do some amazing things. Right now, without counting anybody even online, do you know in this building, we saw 500 people give their heart to Jesus for the very first time in three days. How does that happen? Here it is. He's a mighty God. That's how it happens. You, 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 you think to yourself, we get the privilege today, if you're sitting here with us, to feed precious immigrant families today and give presents to their children. I've got pictures of our team that has been wrapping presents for these families and prayed over every single present. You have helped us give coats to those that have been brought up from buses. And while from, from people to politicians to even the church, as they're trying to politicize this, we said, let's just be the hands and feet of Jesus on this and do what we're supposed to do. And you're sitting here today and ask ourselves, how do you do this? Here it is. He's a mighty God. He's the only. How, how do people that showed up on Wednesday addicted to, to, from, to depression drugs or to, addicted to so many different things, how can they be set free He's a mighty God. He doesn't just do, he doesn't just do stuff. He is mighty and able to do exceedingly and abundantly. But I don't want you to miss the gigantic word connected to that baby. He, Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born, but he shall be called mighty God. The child is God, mighty God. Listen to these two great letters, two great letters that are connected to this word mighty God. Here it comes. 2 Corinthians 6.18 I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters to me. Here it comes. Says the Lord. Here come the two letters. Almighty. I love that word. Not some mighty. Not a lot mighty. Here it comes. But what? Almighty. You know what that means? If you're almighty, then I could say this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Think of that for a moment. That's, that's why we have to understand, what child is this? Jesus wasn't a teacher that come, came from God. He was God who came to teach us today. That's who he is. God came. Almighty God came to us today. He is almighty. Thirdly, everlasting father. Father doesn't have a good ring to many people today. Brings up bad memories for some people. America is now embarked on an experiment to discover what happens when there's no boundaries to a promiscuous culture. America has, is now beginning to feel the effects when there's no boundaries to sexual activity. And we're wondering why now that the number is approaching 40% of the children in the United States do not live with their fathers. 40% of the children in the United States don't live at home with their fathers. And that's why one of the most massive results of that is people don't know how to call God father. 
nor do they even want to because of what the image is. But here's good news today. He is not just a wonderful counselor. And he is not only almighty God. But can I tell you, God is not an absentee father. God is an everlasting father to us today. He is present in our lives. As I was reading through the scriptures, I just listed very quickly five fatherly responsibilities that God has assumed towards all of his children. Here it is. One, God provides for us. Philippians 4.19. God protects us. Matthew 10.29. God encourages us. Psalm 10.17. And God comforts us. 2 Corinthians 1.3-4. And God will discipline us in Hebrews 12.10. That's why unless God is our father, we become eternal orphans. God wants to be your father today. Many people come to church and many who say our father on Sunday usually spend the rest of the week acting like orphans. And that's why I'm here to tell you today, when he becomes your father, he's not your father on Sundays. He is your father every single moment of every single day. That's why the Christmas spirit is that God has not forgotten us. God came, he's mighty, he's a counselor, and he's a father today to us. Finally, Prince of Peace. We live in a society that wants peace without the prince. They want, they're trying to fix everything. You can't have one without the other. Men pursue peace of mind financially. If I can invest and, and, and time the market, we want peace with our health as as people are making sure we can we we can make every every little pain and everything is is all all taken care of and every one of those things can i just tell you everything that you're trying to you're trying to find peace in can change in a moment anything in one moment i want to get peace in my family peace in my marriage one thing can change everything the only true peace can come from him only from him. And when those feet finally landed on planet earth, the first thing that God said to us and the first thing that heaven sent to us was this in Luke 2, as our musicians come. And this will be a sign to you, he says, that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And as soon as that, those feet, like Neil Armstrong, touched the moon, that baby touched planet earth and suddenly, soon as that baby came, suddenly heaven announced to us the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace. Think of this for just a moment as we close today and celebrate communion. Happened just a few years ago in South Dakota the article was called Remembering Atheists at Christmas. It happened in the capital city of Pierre, South Dakota. And once again, as we said at the very beginning, the, the birth of that baby causes such commotion. The birth of that baby. Isn't it amazing? He's the only person, he's the only birthday boy that you, we celebrate his birthday, but we're not allowed to use his name. And in Pierre, South Dakota, complaints came about a nativity scene that was on the Capitol grounds. And it wasn't bothering the South Dakota governor at that time. He was prepared to let every religion, his Christian background wanted to put up a nativity scene on the, on the lawn of the state capitol. 
But he also said, I'll make room for every religion to put something on display at the Capitol. And my favorite part was this. It says he even left an empty corner set aside for those that don't believe in God, for atheists in their section. And he says in their section, you had a baby born. What child is this? And another section was an empty corner with nothing there. Folks, can I just tell you, I need something in my corner. I need someone there. More than me, I can't face the future on my own. And if you sit here today beginning to answer the question, what child is this? Well, that's just a baby. It's just a holiday. I'm here to tell you this. Then I don't want to be in your corner. I want to find where that child is and say, I need a father. I need a mighty God. I need a counselor. I need God to come with peace today. And that's why I want to just tell you today, you have to answer that question. Is he wonderful counselor? Which means he can address any issue in your life. Is he a mighty God that he's greater than any issue you may be facing in your life? Everlasting father, which means he's not a deadbeat dad. He is there for us every single moment of the day. And he is the prince of peace. A peace that he gives that passes all understanding. That while everything else is being shaken in people's lives, God gives a peace to his people, his children, that you can't get any other place. Church, listen. He came to earth that we might go to heaven. He became the son of man that we might become the sons of God. And he was born of a virgin that we might be born again. That's why he came. That's why he came to do this. See, Christmas began in the heart of God. And it is only complete when it reaches the heart of every man and woman in this place. That's when it becomes complete. What child is this? Here it is. This child is a gift from heaven. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's what I want to tell you today. Christmas tells us that we can't get to heaven on our own. God had to come get us. And thank God he came to get us. All over this place, in our lobby, in the balcony, main floor, would you bow your head and close your eyes for just one moment today? For just one moment today. Before we sing a song, before we celebrate in communion and before we dismiss you to go to be with your family or to join us for Christmas dinner today. Think of the words again. What child is this? Think of the question, the epic question. What child is this? I'm here to tell you, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. What child is this? What child is this? Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. When I'm finding and looking at the future ahead, I'm not going to the corner that's doubting whether a God exists and nothing exists there. I'm going to the corner that has a father, that has mighty God that has a father waiting for me and peace that's there. And I'm here to tell you, there is a God 
that came 2,000 years ago, born in a manger, only one time in this, on this earth's history was there something bigger than the world that was on this planet. It was God in the flesh. And as you sit here today on this Christmas morning, I have to tell you, many of us are going to leave this place and exchange gifts today with family members, wives with husbands, parents with children, grandparents with grandchildren. And Christmas seems to be based today on an exchange of gifts. But here's the greatest gift exchange. The gift of God to man, his son. And the gift of man to God when we give our heart over to God today. That's the great gift exchange that happens today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, God gave you a gift. Now, will there be an exchange today? Will you go, God, you sent me this great gift. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor. God, come in. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I'm not inviting you to a church. I'm not inviting you to a religion. I'm not inviting you to Times Square Church. I'm inviting you to the most important relationship you can ever have, and that is a relationship with God himself. That's the relationship. But so many have received from God. The Bible says that he reigns. He sends, that means blessing. He blesses the just and the unjust because he's a generous God. But we have never returned and go, God, here's my life. Take me, change me from the inside out. I don't care whether you're a student at NYU or Fordham. I don't care whether you're from Columbia. I don't care if you're visiting from out of town or you're from a hotel that says, I just want to go to a Christmas. Maybe you use these words. Is there a Christmas mass today and you ended up at Times Square Church? I'm telling you, you don't have to leave the same. Whether, whether somehow you found your way over the border of Mexico, you came from, from down south and you realize, I'm in this big city. How am I going to make it? You better get God in your corner. Don't end up in a corner where nothing is there. And don't believe anybody's lies that God doesn't exist. I'm telling you, if you want to know he exists, ask the person next to you that he lives. My life is changed because God exists today. That's why he's alive. Look at the thousands of lives that are here today. That their lives are changed. I'm telling you, you're looking and going, do I go to the nativity scene? God in the flesh. Or do I go to nothing? And I'm telling you, when you go to nothing, nothing will be there to help you tomorrow. Go to, go to the nativity scene when God's feet touch this planet and now wants to come in and in your heart and change you from the inside out. Let me be very clear. This church can't change you. That dinner is just from the generosity of God's people and a, and a blessing from the Lord. None of this can change you. I don't want you to leave here with a full belly and an empty heart. I don't want you to leave here with the guilt gone, but God not inside. I want you to leave today with God inside of your lives and changing you from the inside out. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? Jesus calls that relationship being born again. That's what he says. John 3, 3. Jesus says, no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. Jesus' words. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? Jesus was saying, just as you had a first birth physically, some in the hospital, some from a midwife, some in this country, some from out of this country, you were born physically, you have a birth date that you celebrate. Jesus said, you need a second birth. 
You need to be born again. Just as you were born once, we need you to be born twice. How does that happen? That's when we begin to see God do something spiritually. Well, Pastor Tim, can you just break it down for us? Here it is. Let me break it down as an A, B, and C. A, admitting that we're sinners. That everyone here is broken on the inside. I get honest with God. I have a condition called sin. There's not a program or a prescription. There's not a promise. And there's not any, a priest or a pastor that I can make that can change me. There's not a mosque or a temple, a church or a cathedral that can change me. There's not a politician or a Democrat or Republican that can change me. I need God to fix me. And he does from the inside out. B, believing that God sent his son to fix that sinful condition. I can't fix myself. If we could fix ourselves, then why would Jesus have to come to this planet and be born? Jesus' death was being my sin bearer to fix my sinful condition. He died the death that I was supposed to die. Lived the life I couldn't live on my own. It was impossible. And gave me a reward, heaven and forgiveness that I don't deserve. And finally confessing him as Lord. See, that Jesus did not come 2,000 years ago to get you to simply sit in the seat in a church. Jesus didn't come to get you to church. Jesus, on a Sunday, Jesus came to get you to heaven forever. That's what he's come to do. Coming to church on a Sunday, that's religion. That you give God two hours a week. Coming to Jesus and being born again, that's a relationship. That's why Christianity is not coming to a person or coming to a place. It's coming to a person. When you say you're Lord, you're saying you're in charge of my life. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we get ready to end this service, sing one song, share in communion, and then dismiss on this Christmas morning. If you're here today, whether you're watching online from around New York City, around the country, or around the world, or you're sitting right here on 51st and Broadway, whether you're standing along the perimeters, whether you're standing in our lobby, wherever you're at in this place, with every head bowed, head bowed and every eye closed, if you would say today, Tim, I want to be changed. I want to start a journey with God. I want to be born again. I realize that I that the question has been answered. What child is this? I want an everlasting father. I want the Prince of Peace. I want a mighty God to come into my life. And I want the wonderful counselor. Balcony, lobby, online, main floor. If you say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, would you put me in that? I want to start a journey with God today. I want God to come in and change me. I want to be born again without any hesitation. If you'd say, would you put me in that prayer? Every head bowed, every head bowed and every eye closed. And you'd say, I want that. I want you to hold up your hand as high as you can right now. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to see every hand that's up. Come on, keep them up high. Keep them up high because I'm going to count them. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Keep them up. Eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Keep them up. Twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. Keep them up. Twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six. 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54. If you praise God today, thank God 
for every single one of you that have made that decision. Hey, can we all stand together and pray this together? Come on, let's pray this on this Christmas morning. Say these words out loud, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands together one more time. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.